Welcome once again to another fantastic episode of the Business Creators Radio Show. We help business creators like you win at the game of business and marketing so you can thrive from your intersection of your brilliance and your passion and make a difference for your community, market, and audience. Please take a moment and visit our website, www.businesscreatorsradioshow.com. You'll find hundreds of episodes covering a breadth and depth of topics relevant to you as a business creator and links to subscribe via your favorite network so you get fresh episodes delivered straight to you. And now, here's today's episode. Let's get started. My name is Adam Homie. I am your host, and I am honored once again by your wise decision to tune in and invest in yourself today. The Business Creators Radio Show goes where you go to have those mastermind conversations and aha moments that bring you ever closer to serving from your intersection of your brilliance and your passion. And where these things take place? What's going on when they're happening? You may hear ambient noise in the background, perhaps a conversation from the next table, a bird chirping, a vehicle driving by. You may hear somebody sitting on their couch in their living room with the air conditioner going in the background and their cat purring sitting next to them, which is kind of the case this morning. We are in our high-tech living room studio here in Las Vegas, known to some, at least me, as the hottest city in America. And we are going to have a conversation today about something that may seem so general, perhaps even trite, but very important, how to create true freedom. In the second, I'm going to tell you why I selected this topic and why this person who we're about to introduce you to has a message for you that may be, in some cases, a new point of view from anything you've seen before. Because as entrepreneurs, we all hear about how we want our freedom. As for those of us who are in corporate situations, we want to have more work-life balance. That's all well and good. But would you like to hear it from somebody who owns two successful automotive repair shops? and does it on about six hours per week? Well, that's today's guest. His name is Joe Perrone. He's a strategist who helps business owners reclaim their time freedom. He believes your business should run itself. It shouldn't run you into the ground. A timely message. Joe has been helping his clients find full enjoyment in everything that they create and do it without burning out. And as I mentioned, as an entrepreneur himself, he has those two automotive repair shops. They're successful, and he spends about six hours a week on it. So his favorite way to invest his reclaimed time is by building strong relationships with his wife, his two young sons, his network, and his friends. I, like you, I'm curious. So Joe Perone, come on in. The weather's fine. Adam, thank you so much for having me on. It's such an honor and a privilege to be on with you today, sir. Okay, this is going to be a little, the first question we ask, all of our guests is, you know, I'll read off the official bio. What you're doing is so impressive. I'm not sure I'm worthy to be here. And this is my show. And I know I say that to a lot of the guests, but there are very few who manage to run two successful businesses and spend about six hours a week on it. So like our audience, I'm pretty curious here. Before we get into some of the specifics of how you've accomplished this and how other entrepreneurs can do the same thing or whatever 
equates to their own situation. Let's hear from you, first of all. Tell us a bit about your journey and what's brought you to where you are, serving business creators from your intersection of your brilliance and your passion. Well, Adam, you know, it, it starts off with, you know, going all the way back to 17, 18 years old, where enter enter the workforce as a young young man and not sure what I wanted to do with my life. You know, who, who knows at 18, right? And right. starting off with, with that, and that's where I like to, you know, I like to work with, you know, business owners, but I like to work with young people too and, and finding out, you know, what, what makes them tick? What are they passionate about? And, you know, that, that gets thrown around so loosely, you know, follow your passion. But, you know, it's people are really good at certain things. And, you know, at 17, 18 years old, you know, I didn't know what I was good at. You know, yeah. I, I know, I, I know that I, I like to party. I like like to, uh, uh, you know, ch- chase girls. But you know, I, I didn't know what I was good at. And um, to where to where I've come today, and where I help business owners go on their journey, you know, it really starts to go back to where you were when you were having the most fun at. I'm going to switch this around on you for a minute. When you okay, when you were. When you were a late teenager, what were, what were you doing for fun? What were, what, were you, what were you having the most fun doing? Fantasizing about being out of my situation. I hate to tell you, but that wasn't a good part of my life. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, as, as we go along in our journey, these periods of our life shape us. And, you know, I, I would believe that not knowing you that well, but that's why you, you love helping other people is because, you know, you came from a place where, you know, you, you were trying to get out of a situation and getting out of that situation, there were steps, right? There were steps you had to take. There was a journey that you had to take, correct? Yes. And that's where, you know, it started for me. So uh-huh. 17, eight years old, 18 years old, I have no idea what I want to do. I get into the automotive business. You know, I always joke like my cousin Vinny, my dad had an auto repair business. My uncle was a mechanic. You know, my dad was a mechanic for 30 years. And the day that I told him that I took a job working in a garage, he wanted to throw me out of the house. He said, why would you do that? You can go to college. You can you could do anything you want with your life. I, I did this. I had a tough life. Why do you want to do this? And I just said, you know, I don't want to waste your money. I don't want to go off to college and just party and blow your money. I know it's hard-earned money as it is. And I want to just get my hands, you know, busy doing something. And, you know, I'll, I'll figure it out from there. And he's, he gave me one of the biggest pieces of advice that I keep to this day. He said, Joe, as long as you do this to the best of your ability and, and never rest on, uh, you know, just continue your growth. He's like, I just want to see you grow and succeed. So wherever you start here, I want you to grow from there. So I'm proud to say, and and dad listens to these. So um, we did, I'm still at the same shop that I started that full-time job back in, you know, in my late teens. And and now I own it with my business partner and we were coworkers back in the day. Um, So I did, take my father's advice and, and do that. Um, but there's a lot to unpack in the middle of where it comes to, to the true freedom. And that's, and that's what I lo- love to share with your listeners today. Yeah. You know, it's, I never 
well, not not that I never thought of it, but maybe perhaps not in the same language that you're giving me. That yeah, when you go back uh, about oh my goodness, it's been almost thirty years since that point. Uh, what I wanted more than anything else was to get out of that situation. I mean, it was awful and it was horrible. And my way out was to go to college. Uh, now I'll tell you this, if I had that to do all over again, I would probably have not started college for another two years. And the reason being is I was already like chronologically younger than the people in my quote unquote class. So it felt like I was always behind and always the last one. It's the, I think that part of the challenge we have when it comes to people finding their freedom is there are things that happen as we grow up. There are things that happen in our childhood, particularly things that happen in our adolescence that are supposed to be benchmarks toward us reaching our adulthood and crossing over Rubicons that take us to the point where we're supposed to be autonomous beings. And some of those events and some of those milestones end up getting transformed into disempowering experiences. And that sets the tone for what we do in our businesses if we become entrepreneurs, what we do in our careers if we uh, end up becoming uh, corporate hustlers and ladder climbers that inhibits us from finding freedom, however we choose to identify it. You know, and I, I like to take that perfect, you know, softball and, and run with it, if I may. Please, 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 please. We're here to have some fun. Yeah, and I, and, and what you're saying is so, so true and, and so true to me uh-huh. is that I watched my father for 30 years go to work every single day. He never took a day off. He was, you know, he would have his, you know, time off, but, you know, he would never call out sick and he just worked, worked, worked. And he was, he was a busy guy. And yeah, I always assumed that as long as you were busy, you were successful. As long as you were just going like the Energizer bunny that, you know, you must be, you must be doing something right. You know, Uh I'm I'm currently (laughs) emerging from an extended period of burnout. So that is not the case. (laughs) So, you know, and and that's what I was doing for a good period of time was just burning myself out and burning myself out and not setting any boundaries. And, you know, this this carried all the way until, you know, just just on the cusp of, you know, first year of marriage and, and bought the house and, you know, making money, but I'm not making any type of a life. And. It, it all came crashing down on for me personally in 2014, you know, right before my first son was born and work, work, work and transition from being an employee there to a, to a extensive buyout of the business and, and, and all of that stuff. But all of that, and that, that's a, that we could, we could do a couple bourbons in a, in a two hour show on, on that story, but sure. 2014 got a son on the way year married got the house I want got the yeah got the income that I that I thought I would never thought that I would have and you know from fixing cars anyways and one day it just all came crashing down because I had a panic attack series of panic attacks and I didn't know Adam at the time if it was a heart attack anxiety pan- I don't I don't know what it I, I I've, I've been down that path it's been a while but I know what that feels like and it's very scary 
very scary collapse in the middle of my shop on the yep. floor, just dusty yep. shop floor on the, uh, yep. and yep. couldn't get back up. And I had to have my business partner, Mike rush me to the emergency room. Cause I'm having, I don't know what I'm having. And in that, in that day, in that time, I didn't call my wife who, who's pregnant, by the way, I didn't call her because I'm so busy. I'm so focused on, you know, out the door. I'm, I'm giving orders out, out the door to my employees. Like, hey, this one's coming to pick up this one. Bup, bup, bup. Calling on the way to the hospital. Like, don't forget about this one. Don't forget. I forgot to call my wife. The most important person to me in the world on planet Earth's got my, you know, pregnant with my son. I don't call her to say, hey, your husband's on the way to the hospital, you know, emergency room. And as I'm sitting in the emergency room and, you know, the, the proverbial, you know, white lights of the emergency room, you know, I'd love to love to set that up in a Hollywood film. But yes, I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm on the edge of my seat here. Keep going, man. I, I'm, I'm laying there really after the doctor comes in with his lack of a bedside manner saying, dude, you're dehydrated. When's the last time you had something to eat? Are you sleeping? Uh, you know, how much sleep did you get last night? Did you eat anything for breakfast this morning? Uh, you know, how, how much water do you drink a day? And I'm going, yeah, I didn't eat breakfast, rushed out the door. Uh, yeah, I didn't have any. I had, had three coffees, but no water. Uh, yeah, I slept four hours last night, you know, if, if it was even that, because I was doing my marketing by myself and I'm doing my Facebook posts and all that stuff for the week. Uh, yeah, I haven't slept all week. Yeah, no, not much of any of that. And he goes, well, let me tell you this. You had a, you had a panic attack. Uh, could be dehydration. Um, but I'll tell you what, if you don't change any of your habits, guess what's going to happen? You're going to be back in here in another month. And I'm like, oh, okay. He's like, well, and if, and if you continue down this path, what I'm going to do is I'm going to prescribe you some antidepressants and you know, that, that will, you know, that will curb some of the, some of the symptoms here, but you know, you, you might, uh, you might, you might die an early death if you just do this. And he was like, pretty frank about this. <laughs> you know, I, I'm, I'm like, yeah. oh, okay. And I was kind of put off by the whole thing. I'm like, this, this freaking jerk, you know, <laughs> like, what does he know? You know, I'm, I'm a busy guy. Like I, you know, I'm not a doctor. I never, you know, silver spoon stuck in my mouth. You know, I had, had that mentality like this, this, you know, blame, I got to blame everybody else, Adam, for, for my, I'm the one sitting here, but I'm the one I'm going to blame everybody else. Yeah. And, you know, coming out of that, I, I, I went out of it with a prescription for antidepressants, some haphazard life advice from a doctor, from a young doctor. And, um, that was pretty much it. And I knew that I wasn't going to take any antidepressants because I had a you know family member that had some some drug issues for a good period of 10 years. And I, and I just didn't want to correct a problem that I created with a, you know, with a chemical uh, correction, you know. And so I, didn't, I knew I didn't want to go that route. But then, Adam, I'm saying to myself, OK, well, what, what do I do? You know, I grew up on this busy hustle, hustle, grind mentality. This is all I know. Um, I, I don't know anybody else in my circle or any anybody I could look to 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 find another route to take. Um, what what do I do? So in in the middle of a, a, a really dark night where I'm just you know I, I was never diagnosed with depression, but I, but I know I was I, I was suffering from from something uh, that yeah. would resemble depression, and it was just dark, some dark times, Adam, and, and, you know, up late sleepless nights. And now, and I'm trying to figure this all out. And I, I'm like, I'm on a timeline here because I have, I'm going to bring a son into this world. I'm going to go bring a child into this world. I didn't know it was a son yet, but, 
and, and do, 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 do I want my son, do I want my child to just replicate what I did, just be a carbon copy of, of what I'm doing? Because that's all they're going to know. That's all they're going to see. And the answer was no. Um, but, but Adam, what do I do? You know, they're, they're, you know, thankfully you have this show and you educate people. You have great guests on that, that you curate to get, get this message out. Well, I didn't have that. I didn't have that access to people like that. I didn't know these people were out there that wanted to help. So with a, with a simple Google search, um, and I, and I don't even remember what I typed in, um, I found a, a mentor. I found a guy that had a, a 297 program. And I thought 297, I'm like, oh, that's my life savings at this point. You know, like, yeah. you know, 297, Jesus freaking quack, you know. But I said, you know what? Some something has to change. And this this man introduced me to, you know, reading, he introduced me to Jim Rohn, he introduced me to Tony Robbins, he introduced me to Brian Tracy. And um, uh, Earl Nightingale, Napoleon Hill, like all the the, the father, the forefathers of self development, um, which I was, you know, embarrassed to say it now. I didn't know any of these people existed. I had not one book on my bookshelf. I I had uh, hadn't read a book since that ripe old age of eighteen because I knew everything, Adam. I I knew all there was to know. I was like, well, the, what eighteen you normally do? <laughs> I was like the patent office back in eighteen ninety nine when they said. There's nothing else to be invented, you know. <laughs> yeah, well, and that was me. <laughs> well, you know, it's it's interesting that you bring up some of these points here, and you know, I, as some of our listeners have heard me say before, I blame everything on those lazy ass entitled millennials who think that we should all cater to them. All right, so and you laugh because you may even know where I'm going with this. Mm -hmm. um, it has it has a punchline. Now, I myself am on uh, the tail end of Gen X. I entered the world four years before the millennial generation began. So I was pretty much there for some of the same changes that the early millennials saw that had not been available to previous generations. So you look at your millennials, your Gen Zers, and what the other generations are that followed the millennials, you know, going younger and younger and younger. With the millennials, this is the first generation that had, by and large, consistent access to high-speed internet once the internet and search engines had reached a point where they had a substantial amount of information on them. This means that this is the first generation that had access to knowledge, information, and resources that enabled them to recognize and challenge the patterns that have been passed down generationally from one generation to the next and to see things that were happening within their family structures, within their work structures, be able to point out the toxicity. This is why the, the, the generations in our country today and in our world find themselves in such a transitional place because they are the ones who have had the ability, the resources, and the knowledge to challenge and question basically everything. That's why, to me, foundationally, our societies are going through so many profound adjustments at this particular time. We're at the point where the millennials, the Zs, and those younger generations 
are now basically the absolute majority of your corporate workplace, your small business workplace, and your entrepreneurial leadership spaces. That and these yeah, are not people. Yeah, agree not, more. Yeah, these are not people who are lazy. These are people who actually are motivated. They simply and they're not. They don't feel entitled. They simply want to feel like what they are doing is valuable and relevant. That's it. If you can address those things, you can fill in the rest of the blanks around it, valuable and relevant. And now that those cohorts are the absolute majority of the productive se- segments of our workplace today, you have the gen you have the Gen Xers like myself and even the baby boomers who are still in the workplace and baby boomers are sticking around longer than ever. And they're looking at this and they're saying, well, you know what? I'd like those things too. That was a status quo and, and me having myself valued as a human being based on my position on an, an org chart or, or, or what have you. I want to feel that what I do is relevant and valuable too. I want to be an agent of change. Yeah. I mean, that, and, that, and that's where, you know, can I, can I pick it up? For, I love to pick it up from there because you segued it to the, to the next, next part of this. Or, or Please how, do. How this is, how this is changing, how we, how we're able to help other people. It's like questioning everything, as you mentioned, was now my, my Pandora's box was open. You know, all those limiting beliefs, all those things that I had learned and been hardwired to believe. Now is I'm, I'm opening my mind to other, you know, other realities, other things that could be possible. You know, I'm saying, well, why, you know, it's like the story of the ham, right? You know, that, you know, that old story, you know, we're cutting the end off of the ham and the, the husband says, well, honey, why do you cut the end off of the ham? And she said, well, my mother always did it that way. Oh, uh, I tell this one all the time. You I'm so happy that somebody else is going to, do this one for me for a change. Please, <laughs> please take it through, Joe. So the, the, the husband says, honey, why do you cut the end off of the ham? She says, mama always cut the end off of the ham. She calls mama. Mama, why do you cut the end off of the ham? She goes, well, my grandmother always did. She called up grandma. She says, grandma, why do you cut the end off of the ham? She says, well, my pan wasn't big enough. Yeah, so that's why they were all all these years wasting this wasting this valuable piece. Yes, yes, yes. Because yes. of one person did it one way, and nobody ever questioned why. Nobody yep, ever the, asked why. The wife and yeah, the the mother in law was told that it was because it made the roast uh, tender, <laughs> juicier, more flavorful, and that's because the grandmother in law did not want the note want. The, the mother-in-law to know that they were so damn poor they couldn't afford a bigger pan. That's right. And then they told yep. generations of other people and they yep. told their neighbors and their friends and every so everybody thought they had the secret recipe. Uh-huh. To, to, we're talking about ham and now we're talking about life. So these these limiting beliefs that I had believed and, and these things that I had just hardwired into myself and habits that I created based on these cognitive biases that I had now I'm able to challenge, like you said, challenge everything. Okay. Why, why am I working 70, 80 hours a week? I don't make any more money. My business isn't getting any bigger. I, I'm, I'm becoming more stressed. I'm coming, becoming more irritable. Um, yep. I, I, I'm dissatisfied with my life, no matter what material possessions come into my 
come into my universe. I'm not happy with them, right? I'm, this, is, this is not successful. So now as I'm able to challenge all of that and, and educate myself, I'm reading books that are 100 years old talking about the same problems that I'm having right now. It's like, well, they've been going on longer than that, Joe. They've been going yeah. on thousands of years. And since the beginning of time, they've been going on. So, okay, Joe, you're not the first person to have this problem. So number one for me was when I slowed down and when I realized that, okay, Joe, there's there's other people in this universe <coughs> you. Yeah. That was the, that was a that was an aha moment for me. Um, and, and where I like to help, you know, people start is, is that slow down, is that slowing down to, like you said, challenge your day, challenge what you're doing in, in a 24 hour period. Um, why, why are you cutting the end of that ham off? You know, um, I remember a period of time in our business where we had, we had these routines, we had these things that we did, we had these forms that we would fill out. And as I started learning more about time freedom and learning about how to organize my day, and it wasn't about getting a fancy planner. It wasn't about, you know, buying the newest program that was out. It was simply, you know, just like you would do a budget in your household, which, you know, 70 to 80% of people don't do anyways, but do a time budget, do a time audit, take a, just take a sheet of paper. And as you're going through your day, write down what you do. Write down exactly what you're doing. Do you pick up the phone when somebody calls that that burns an hour and a half? You know, do you, uh-huh. we have Amazon Prime, we have all these delivery services. Why are we going out and wasting hours driving around to stores and, and wasting time when we could be investing that time in our family or investing that time in our businesses or investing that time in our careers to get out of that, get out of that corporate atmosphere that you want to get out of, you know? And as we're auditing that time and we're finding, for me, it was finding 10 minutes here, 15 minutes there. That for me was the biggest change of my life. When I started finding 10 minutes, uh, you know, every, every, every day, find 10 minutes a day. Okay. That's, you know, 50 minutes. And it's, let's call it an hour by the end of the week, a uh, work week. Well, okay. If I can find 10 minutes, can I find an hour? Can I find two hours? And before you knew it, between my personal life and my business life, I'm finding days. And it was you know, very humbling to know that I was wasting a lot of time. Well, you so, want to talk about wasting time. Let me tell you something <laughs> about wasting time here. Uh, and, th- and I think this is a perfect point to bring this up. I've been tracking this for years. There have been a number of studies. Uh, I know things have changed since the bug hit a couple years ago and to me, that's one of the silver linings. They did a number of studies, and there's one I'm thinking of in particular that sort of becomes an average of it. There, when you think about knowledge workers, people who work in office environments where, for whatever reason, they really don't necessarily have to be there from 9 to 5, Monday through Friday, and they may not need to physically be there at all. So you have people coming in there working from 9 to 5 with their mandatory 30-minute lunch and two 15-minute breaks. And for that eight hours a day they're supposed to be working, the average amount of time that they were spending that was actually productive and valuable to the company, two hours and 53 minutes. And I bet you that's... (laughs) Where does the rest of the time go? 
pointless meetings, cubicle drop-bys, uh, half hours of angst because somebody said, you didn't CC the management team in the correct order, and so we have to have meetings to discuss this, uh, so-called performance reviews, office politics, in other words, bullshit. Right. Uh, one of the things that was shown through the transitions we went through when the bug hit and uh, the whole thing about certain types of workers having to work from their homes or work remotely is that in some cases their productivity actually went up. So going back to other studies that existed and showed that, yeah, the person who works from home, they probably have about four hours of productive time. That's why we need them in the office from nine to five so we can get their productivity. Meanwhile, at home, they were more productive. Right. Yeah. So that, so that right there is something. And then the other point I want to bring up, Joe, is that in my book, Groundhog Day is an event, not a business strategy. I, when I was creating the manuscript, I accidentally put this section in the book twice, but then I decided to leave it because I felt it was that important. So in two different sections, it shares the same lesson, which is as you go through your day, and this is very similar to what you, you know, you're saying you're looking for five minutes here, or 15 minutes there. And the question I urge people to ask is, as you go through your day, whether it's your business day, your personal day, whatever it is, look at things you're doing and ask what would happen if we didn't do this at all? That will surface what's valuable. Powerful What's question. not valuable. What could be adjusted? What could be optimized? What could be totally skipped? It's a powerful question, uh, Adam. Yeah. And, and, you know, and as we, as we do that, as we actually do it, you have to do it. You know, reading about it is one thing and theorizing about it is another thing. Actually doing it is what separates the people that have time freedom versus the people that are just wasting their lives away in in the in the cubicles, in their business, and they're they're not unwilling to change and, and make right. that significant change and take action on it. And I and I love I, I love when I hear people take actually taking the action and following up on it. Yeah. Having having that time now has to be reallocated. You, you, there has to be something, you know, you, you can't just say, okay, well, I'm just going to put this, throw this time in a, in a vacuum and let just let it evaporate. I'm going to, you, you have to have something that you're going for. What are, what is it in your life that you value? And I, and I love, right. and I love getting clear with people on what they value and it. And it comes down to, you know, time with your family, time with your friends and your network, um, you know, building a family, build, you know, building, you know, you mentioned <coughs> your book or your, your curriculums, or your programs, things that are going to benefit other people and things that are going to, uh, you know, right. outlast you. And that's your legacy. That's, that's what it is. You know, people, you know, your kids don't want a, a check handed to them when you die. You know, they want that treasure trove of memories. They want that, those life lessons. They want the, the, they want to remember that you were there. I say they, they don't want your presence, E-N-T-S. -E they want your presence as in you being there. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. And as business owners, professionals, we look at those you know, like that stat you you said that the actual two hours and fifteen minutes of us being productive, 
well, can we can we shape our day to where we're we are more productive for our company, but also we're productive for our families and we, we're there for them and we're able to um, build up our, our families, our communities. Uh, you know, there's so many people I meet and they say, I wish I just had more time to volunteer. It's like, well, how much how much do you volunteer now? And they say, oh, none at all. I'm like, well, can you find a half hour a week to volunteer? I bet you somebody right. could use you for a half an hour. And it's and it's like once because once you get that time, once you go through these you know these programs and audit that time and go through uh, you know the audit, you're going to find that time. However, if you don't have anywhere to allocate that time, if you're not already a person that is generous with your time. You're just going to be more of it's why, like buddy, right? That's why most lottery winners go broke because they're just going to be magnified of what they were before. Well, pretty, so well, pretty much, yeah. And if you're so, not a person who volunteers time, maybe you weren't designed to volunteer time. You know, uh, being charitable and being and giving back doesn't necessarily involve time. That's right. That's some right. some some people give time. Some people give money. Some people give. Uh, Publicity, there's many different ways to do it. Not as I like to say, uh, there isn't enough room for everybody in, in the in the Habitat for Humanity project to put nails on the wall. That's right. That's right. And and just going back to what you value, and that's why, you know, that's why it's so important. It's so crucial to go down the list of what you value. And for me, it was time with my boys, time with my wife, building up a network. And, you know, I, I have people that I love. You, you, you know, Adam, you don't want to get to the point in life where you're so successful that, you know, you can't call anybody and say, hey, let's let's go hang out on a Tuesday. Let's go. Let's go grab a coffee and, and catch up because they're, you know, then they're in, they're overworked in the office for 70, 80 hours. So you do want to build up that network of other like minded people that do want to have time freedom. They do want to, uh, you know, have the same interests. So when you do get that time freedom. You have a network of people that have time freedom. <laughs> yeah, sounds like, sounds like a novel idea, right? Well, it's that whole thing. What I'm picking up, anyway, is that the average of the five people you hang out with, or what have you. That's right. Yeah, and um, you know, so so that was that was one of the things that was was important to me. And I know that you're you're looking for, um, you know, we we should have some tips and we should give a few things on on how to how to achieve that time freedom. Well, yeah, and you've already given us one, which is to look for those five minutes here, 15 minutes there. So you start with a few minutes, and next thing you know, you're looking for hours. Next thing you know, you're looking for days, because I'm really curious how you own and operate two successful automotive repair shops and do it on about six hours a week. So Zig Ziglar was one of the first people that I ever heard this um this quote from, and it was for you to have anything that you want in life. You just have to help enough other people get what they want in life. Yeah. And that, that, that quote just stuck with me. And it's one of those quotes that I just think about on a weekly basis. So as I'm going through this, I'm finding 10 minutes here, 15 minutes here, and I'm, I'm becoming more efficient with my own time. I said, boy, I'd love to give the gift of time freedom to my employees, to, to the people that we onboard, to new people. Right. I'd love to let them in on this little secret because I don't want you know, I, I would love for my company to run so efficiently where we're not just having meetings and pointless things and waste because I'm wasting their time is wasting my own time because I got to pay them. Right. Yeah. 
so we so as I'm going through this journey, I really took along, you know, from my business partner to management to the people that are technicians, and we really looked at what they wanted for 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 you to have anything in life that you want, which for me was time with my family, less time working in my business and more time working on my business. What would it take for me to to leave on a Friday? What would it take for me to not to be only be there four days per week. And I, I just started asking my employees, hey, what, what do you, where do you see yourself in five years? Where do you see yourself next year? Three months from now, you know, what do you want to make? Let, let's set your salary. What, what do you want to make? And I'll show you how to get there. And, and Adam, we took this, and, and I tell business owners now, and they're like, I can never... You know, I can never ask my people what they wanted. And I'm like, well, sure you could, you know, it works, it works for me. And now that I've networked with so many people that, that are, have time freedom, this is exactly what they do. And they talk to their people that are doing the work for them. And you find out exactly what they like. You find out exactly what they want to do, what positions they want within the company, where they see themselves moving within the company. And as we started moving people around and we started giving people more opportunities and giving them, I had a guy that wanted to make, uh, you know, double what he was making the, the day I talked to him. So I didn't want to double my salary. So I, I had to go home and I sat down seriously and I said, okay, what would it take for him to double his salary? What would he have to do? And I came up with a list of things. I came up with a list of benchmarks and not only did he double his salary, I think he went up about uh, maybe 150% of his salary. Within a year's time, he hit every benchmark. He hit every goal. He did everything that he was supposed to do. This guy is so happy, so productive. And in, in that meeting, I said, um, well, part of that overlaps with what I, you know, my position in the company. You know, I'm the owner. And he said, well... I'd like to push you out. <laughs> so you have to let some of the ego go. And that was part of the, the transformation that I had to get over myself was that I don't need to be there. This, this business, you know, it's like when you have a kid, you are not your kid. That business is rep symbolic to me of a child. At one point it was you, but now it's not you. So now it's its own living, breathing entity. That has that has a, a direction of its own. So most business owners that I, I coach and I work with, that's number one. They don't want to give up the reins. They have that old song in their head. When the mice, when the cat's away, the mice will play. And that that has made more business owners suffer and stay in their business longer than they've needed to because they believe that. Well, yeah. And the other side of that is after a relatively short period of time, and that time gets shorter and shorter and shorter as the years go on, uh, the mice, as we like to say, decide that they've had enough of that annoying cat hissing at them, and they just leave. That's right. So, th so then you get uh, turnover rates of 140% for year, <laughs> and uh, as I so delicately say in my book, turnover is a bitch on your bank account. And I learned. I, I reminded my staff of that this week when we had a person that wanted to leave, and it was it was over lack of communication. And we, but we we saved the relationship. We we salvaged the 
the um, the position and it, and it saved it, but it was a it was a stark reminder that your your point is spot on true. And when we when we started asking the people what they wanted, it, it opened up so many doors for us, for me and my business partner, to experiment. And this started with every alternating days off. So my partner would take Friday off. I would take the opposite Friday off. And then as we would go back in on the next Monday, we'd say, okay, well, what happened? What, because you weren't here, did anything happen? No, nothing happened. So then it went to, okay, well, let's, let's each take a day off per week. So we started four day weeks and we talked to our staff. We said, our goal is not to not be here. And, you know, another ego buster, right? Your employees, if you're a good boss and you, you have uh, good systems and you have things in place, your people don't want you there. They want to just do their job. They want to be left alone. They want to be productive. You know, I look at, I, I don't look at employees as, oh, how, how much are they robbing from me today? I say, look at how productive and how successful my employees are. And that's, that's a testament to who I am as a leader, to who my business partner is as a leader. That's how I look at my employees. I look at them as my greatest asset. I don't look at them as my, my potential biggest liability. Um, and just just having that mindset um, has created this time, you know, has, has planted the seeds for time freedom. But then it got even better than that because now we have people looking, hunting for our job. They want to they pick apart our job and say, hey, I, I know we always did it like this, but... I looked at this and I think we have, there's a better way we can do this. And, th- and there's an open door policy. If you have an idea and you think that this will work, present it. Let's, let's see it. If it's going to benefit the company, and this is not a, you know, this is not, oh, Joe, Joe and Mike did it wrong for all these years. And, and how, how dare somebody come in this office and say that? No, this is for that other entity, that, that entity that is the business that is separate from, from Joe and Mike. And as yeah. we have, 10 heads looking at this business and saying, how can we improve this today? What process can we improve today? How can we eliminate this clunky process that we had and streamline it? Oh my God, Adam, you wouldn't, you, you would believe it because you, you know, you know that it's true, but business, business knowledge, professionals, people out there listening, You'll, you'll be so amazed at what this changes in your organization, what this changes in your business when everybody leaves that ego at the door that need to be right. And that oh, be- yeah, yeah, yeah. When I, <laughs> Ooh, I, when I, I hit when a I, nerve. I hit yeah, a nerve. I, Did I, I add Yeah, when I first started this. Uh, <laughs> oh, I hit a nerve. Yeah, when I first uh, started out 20 years ago uh, and I had my first job with a corporation, I ran into this whole uh, but that's the way we've always done it. It was really inefficient, <laughs> stupid stuff, really. And it, and it was based on people's power trips and egos. So what I carry forward from that to this day in terms of how I, when I see that pattern arise, if somebody says, well, but that's the way we've always done it, I say, oh, cool. <laughs> and somehow, despite that, you've managed to survive until the present day. Yeah. Yeah. So, okay. So yeah, I can, I can push in the opposite direction. And then, um, and I uh, have had a couple experiences in one of my previous businesses with clients who are just absolute control freaks. Like I'm thinking of this one in particular who uh, no matter what 
I did or anybody on my team did, he had some comment or some, well, it should have been done this way or what have you. And, you know, here's it. And you you get this. You mentioned it when in your last thing, you said that uh, people get to the I think at least I think I heard you say this. There's this old thing where bosses or business owners or what have you may say the people who work for them, they say, well, if you don't like it, uh, you can go work somewhere else. Well, in this day and age, you actually run a very good chance of the person saying, fine, bye, and just leaving. Yeah. yeah. Oh, you do. Um, yeah. Just, the, the, whole, the whole idea that's going to intimidate somebody, we're past that now. Well, and, and Adam, it's interesting that you pointed that out because it also ties back into your other point earlier of the access to information, right? We know what we know what the guy down the street's making. You know what you know what that comparable dollar amount is. You can go online and see what a com- a rating of a company. You there's it's not like um, it, it's not like before where you had to you didn't have this access to information as we do now. So that old way of well, here there's there's the door. Okay, bye. You know, before you know if, if my father was to leave you know, his, his trade job, he would have had to really get out there and go, you know, hand, you know, literally walk in people's doors to find another job. Now with the digital age, it's so easy for him to find another job. That's simple, you know? So um, yeah, that's, that's definitely a, a good point and to tie, tie back to the other point you made earlier. Um, and this is the, and this is the first generation, so to speak, that has that, that advantage. Right. You have uh, what is it? Open door. You have um, what are some of the websites that you can go on, especially in the corporate world? I think you're think- I think you're thinking Glassdoor. Glassdoor. Right. That's that's. Thanks well, for that. and there, and there are other, and there are others like it. Uh, yeah, I've made a couple contributions under pseudonyms to it. You know, and so so that's 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 really in a nutshell what it is. And, and but to, to avoid that, to avoid getting to that day where if you don't like it, there's the door. People want to have structure. They want to have systems. They want to have things in place so they they know what's next for them. They don't want to be like, well, am I going to get a performance review? Am I going to get a raise at the end of this year? No. They already know going into the year, okay, this is what my goals are. This is what I have to do. This is what the company is looking for. And this is what we've agreed upon. And my my employers are looking out for my best interest. They want me to make this money. I said to one of my guys at a big commission check the other day, I said, boy, these checks are the easiest ones to hand out because you know, I, I you're a percentage and I and I make the bigger percentage. So it's like I know that we made we, this was a, a, a productive uh month for all of us. And this is I'm grateful to write this check out to you. And and, and to have that, you know, Jim Rohn always said, you know, be a happy taxpayer. Well, be a happy employer when you write those checks out to your people. If if you're not making any money, that's not their problem. That's your problem. That's that's yeah. your problem. That's your inefficiencies. That's your, you know, you you hired these people. If they're if they're um, not producing for you, well, you know what? It's either you or it's a bad judgment call on your part. Either way, it's you. <laughs> I love I love Jim Rohn. You know, for it. For anything to change, you have to change. So, <laughs> uh, you know, any business owners out there that are listening and, and you're having a tough time with employees or you're having, you know, you're, you're there and it seems like you're there 70, 80 hours a week and, you know, mm-hmm. time freedom is the furthest thing from your mind is 
Look at those people that are in your organization. How do you speak about them? How do you treat them? How do you, um, you know, how do you empower them? How do you, how do you respond to them when, um, when they need something? Do you say, well, that's not in the budget, you know, or, or you know, we don't have any money here. And, that, and that's how I hear a lot of business owners talk. And it's like, okay, well, how about instead of this, if you need a piece of equipment or you need another, uh, you know, another person or an assistant, instead of saying, okay, we don't have money for that, let's try to create, let's create that. Let's create that income. Like, what do we need to do to create this to grow the business? Because good employees, they want to see growth. They want to see that they're a part of something. And, and as you build up your employees and the people that are, you know, if you have subcontractors, the same thing, give them a vision to latch onto and they'll, they'll help you get there. Um, but a lot of the things that I see, and I know you see it too, Adam, there's, there's business owners out there with no vision. They just want to show up every day and do everything as, as if they did it the day before. Yeah. It just does not work. You know, I want to, I want to make a point here. I think this is very important. You know, we've been, we've been a little down here on people who have the old way of thinking, uh, who go back to the previous patterns and I don't, I don't blame them. Like you can't, I don't blame our, our parents or our previous bosses or what have you for, the views that they had or how they may have seemed dismissive of our dreams and our goals and our ambitions, because remember they didn't have access to information and support networks like you and I did. That's right. They only knew what they were told. Uh, so if you had, if so, if you had an entrepreneurial idea and they said, oh, no, that's dumb. Uh, uh, what you got to do is you got to get a job and work hard and be loyal. Well, that's all they knew. So you think about, I mean, I mentioned baby boomers earlier. Well, these are the children of the greatest generation. And they themselves are the spawn of the people who went through the Great Depression. Right. So you went through one of the most cataclysmic financial disruptions of which there are still people alive who remember it, followed by one of the deadliest wars in recorded history. And then the next, then a the generation that followed that were the ones where we had the creation of the middle class, the creation of suburbia, the creation of the idea that people could have air conditioning in their houses and two cars and the kids have a chance of going to college. Well, as they saw it, they built up something that was worth defending. That's right. Think think about that. So oh, yeah. they, they went through they went through a lot of struggle that you and I may or may not, depending on our situations, be able to fathom at all. So as they saw it, they don't want to lose what they've created. They had a sense of pride in what they created. The idea that you go work for a company for 40 years and you get your and you get your gold watch and your shack in Fort Lauderdale. Well, somebody busted their ass to make that happen. That's that's right. And and, and I and I and it's a valid point and I honor the point. And and what what I like to you know speak to that point is that what you and I subscribe to and what we believe in, you know, it took you know, it took me a good 10 years to, to undo and correct. I didn't work on it every day. You know, this is not something that's going to stop, you know, anytime soon. Right. Um, probably, till I, probably till I go into the ground, I'll be learning, you know, an everyday student. 
Um, I'm more of a PSA. There, there's another way. You know, I'm going to hold two hands up and say, you know, if you're of, of the, the baby boomer generation and, and that, that it's you, there's another way. And business owners I have all the time that are, uh, you know, of that generation, you're, you're right. They have such a such an identity fixated to that business. And, and this is the business. And this is what I had in my mind of this. This is going to be my legacy. I'm going to leave this to my kids. Well, as the, the newer generation, the younger generations coming up, they're like, I just wish my, I spent more time with my dad. Or I wish I just spent more time with mom. Like I wish I had more time with my family. And that's what, yeah. yep. and that's the what they're looking for. Yeah, the upcoming generation doesn't even want their parents' house. I mean, we've uh, we've seen so many articles and studies about this, where the, where the parents are finding themselves in situations where, hey, they might as well just sell the house now because the kids don't want it. Whereas, right. think about how it was. Think about how it was, and go back maybe thirty years, and you had your family where there were the average number of children was something like 4.3 or something like that. So you had anywhere from two to seven spawn around hovering, waiting for the parents to die. And, uh, and you, and you saw entire nuclear family units ripped to shreds and first cousins never meeting each other because of some argument over who got the house when mom died. That, that went through that in my family. That, that happened. That happened. That happened in my family too. Is I mean, I, I tell people that uh, I have twenty first cousins, of which I've met eleven. Right. And part and part of that goes back to disputes among siblings, based on allocation of who was inheriting what from the parents. There are still enmities in my family because of who got possession of family photos. <laughs> That's just how, and I'm not saying that's bad or good. I'm just saying that's how it was. That's how things were. Uh, and then I was around long enough for, you know, great grandparents to die and great grandparents to pass on. And there was the whole thing of going to their house and everybody taking what they wanted. Well, now, now, I mean, <laughs> the kids don't want the house. They don't care about the knickknacks or what have you. There may be one item that they want for themselves. And that's it. Like, uh, like my parents, for example, have a house that they built themselves while living in it. And it is, I'm not going to get into the details of what's inside it, but let's just say that they have a lot of uh, very nice artistic things on the walls. And they keep asking me to go back there and, you know, earmark what stuff I want. So I don't want any of it. Right. The only, the only thing I, the only thing I want is this, picture of a boat that was in my old bedroom and a couple things that actually belong to me they're still being stored there because i just never got them out outside that i don't want it my life my life is elsewhere and uh and my sister and brother-in-law have built their own house while living in and have their own acreage so what do they, what do they need to move back to the other house for so it's good so, so the house is going to pass out of the pass out of the family with my grandfather who lived nearby when he died uh, none of the kids wanted his house that he built himself. So it got sold out of the family. That's just where this is going. And, tie, and tying this back to, to time freedom, it's how much time spent accumulating, preserving, saving, collecting, you know, all this time spent on this. 
could be spent in other areas that when you get closer to what you value. If you value yeah. collecting art, well, then going to piece pick through art or going to save, preserve that art, that's a that's a good use of your time. That's yeah. a great use of your time. When you that, that, to, that's your intersection of your brilliance and your passion. You should follow it. You know, and, and that's what another what your your point is, is where I see a lot of people wasting time in life and business. And, and what I love helping them with is going back to okay, well, what do I value? Is this something that I I must do? Do I need to go back and and go through all these relics and go through these things or save and clean and preserve all these things? Is this really I might have valued it at one time, but do I still value this now? And reclaim that time. You know, it, it, when people are empowered to just take back that time, that's your gift. You're given 24 fresh hours every day and live in that day. We always say you can only, you can only live today. I can't, I can't go back to, tomorrow, to, to yesterday and change anything and relive yesterday. And I can't go to, to tomorrow and change anything. So I can, not there yet. Yeah. I can only live today. So I, I love to tell people it's okay to change your mind. It's okay. If you, if you were into something last year and you're just not into it, change it. You know, I've seen people that are like, I hate this color in my living room. Paint it. Paint the damn thing. Well, <laughs> oh, and, oh, here's my situation. As, here's my situation as of the time that we're having this conversation. Um, I'm looking to move to a new apartment. Uh, and I mean, there are, there are actually catalytic reasons why I'm making this decision, which I'm not going to get into here. But one of the things that I'm looking at is the opportunity that comes with that is it's given me the chance to reassess what my living space will be like. And one of the decisions I made is I want less. Yeah. I have, I have a two-bedroom apartment. I don't use half this space. One of the bathrooms has never been used, and I've lived here for five years. Yep. So that I would be looking for a smaller space is not me downgrading. And that's one of the patterns that we've been imbued with is that uh, the bigger your house or the bigger your living space, the more value, the more successful you are. Well, to me, uh, I just need something that accommodates me and that will give my cats enough room to play. They're here right now and they don't want to move. So they're, uh, <laughs> they're pretending like they're, na they're napping, but, and, and just go going back to how people view their lifestyles, you know, the kids don't want the parents' house. And I have never had a serious thought about owning a house except to acquire one to rent to somebody else. Mm. And we're seeing so much more of that. That's why we, that's one of the reasons why we have housing shortages because so much of it is being bought up by investors and companies who rent it to others. That's not some to me, some dystopian conspiracy or anything like that. It's simply a reflection of where people's money go. The money is in renting. So if you want to get the money, you have something out there, you put it on the market so somebody can rent it from you because that's what people are doing. Yeah. And, and uh, that's, I mean, that's another great point is, you know, I've had, I had a client with a, with a vacation home and spent more time and effort running this vacation home and 
as far as an investment was concerned, it wasn't a great investment. And the money he got as a return versus what he had to put into it and the time, his time. I said, do you factor in what an hour of your time is? And that's that's quick, quick caveat. I love to do an exercise where we value an hour of your time. And, and what is what's an actual hour of your time worth? And when I asked him how many hours he had invested into this, this vacation house, um, that he was quote unquote doing it, I'm doing it for my family. Um, at the end of the year, he could have went on like four Disney trips with his family and left the mess there at Disney and not, not ever turned back. You know, there was yeah. no tax breaks. There was no, uh, you know, the big, big incentives for him. It was, it was, it was a, a, an anchor around his neck. And he finally yeah. decided to put that thing up on the market and, and invest the rest. And he makes, he makes a, a damn good return on the money that he, he got out of it. And he got his time back and he got, he got so much of his time back and the frustration that he had. And, you know, somebody went and dinged the refrigerator on the last week trip week. Uh, he rented it out and now he's got to deal with that. It's like, that's all time invested. And for you to take that time and it's now it's not invested with something that you value. Exactly. Now, now, yeah. Now you're so, recovering yeah. that you're recovering that time. And the value of that time. So right. it's just, uh, you know, it, it's just good to see. And, and but, but again, like you said earlier with, you don't blame people. You said the shack in Fort Lauderdale, that was the dream. You got the goal watching the shack in Fort Lauderdale. That was what was cool. That was what was in and popular. And that's what you do. Um, but you and I are, you and I are proponents of, you know, there, there are other ways to do things. And, you know, you're looking for time, you're looking for more, uh, you know, freedom and, and peace in your life and less. I tell you, I love um, Greg McCune's book, Essentialism. That's another, another good one that I, yep. I totally, totally love that. And I, I think I want to attribute it to his book is like, do I, is this important today? Do I need to do this today? Is this is this right. essential? Is this important today? And I tell you, ninety five percent of the things that we do are if we not haven't subscribed yeah. to this way of thinking. Of I, I don't need the big house. I don't need the fancy car. I, don't need, I, I just I want to spend time with my kids. You know, after we right. after we get off this interview, uh, I'm gonna go jump back in the pool with my seven and three year old because they're on summer you know on summer break. So well, you know. That's what's valuable to me. Could I go back to the shop and and you know crack the whip? I could, but I'm gonna I'm gonna diminish the value of what my employees are doing, and then I'm gonna not be here with my family. And that's yeah, gonna be yeah, one then, more yep, one yep. more day that I didn't spend with my family. That I could have been making memories and, and doing things with them. Yep. Yep. You're going to get your diminishing returns. Well, it is about time to send you back to your kids because we are at the top of the hour here and uh, we could keep this conversation going for hours and hours and hours. And maybe in a few months, we'll have you back and we'll get into some uh, some additional topics. But in the meantime, what I want is for our listeners, please visit Joe Perone's website. It's a www.joeperone, which is spelled J-O-E. P-E-R-R-O-N-E dot biz, B-I-Z, www.joeperone.biz. There are some great resources there, uh, one of which is the five keys to time freedom. 
that will take even the most stressed and overwhelmed business owner 20 minutes to complete. It's a nice little assessment. I'm going to do it just for myself, just combination of fun. And because even if you think you know everything, there's always the opportunity to have that mastermind moment or that aha experience. So go to Joe's website, download that thing, take it. You may find a few minutes here and there that could add up to hours. So with that, Joe Perone, thank you so much for being with us today. It's been an honor, believe me, in education. Adam, honor and a pleasure. Thank you for what you do for the business community. We trust you enjoyed today's episode of the Business Creators Radio Show. Check out our previous and upcoming episodes on our website at www.businesscreatorsradioshow.com. While you're there, be sure to subscribe via your favorite network so you get fresh episodes delivered straight to you. Until next time, have a great day. Take care.